Welcome to Concord Matters, a show seeking for Concord, agreement in Christian confession. Concord mattered to Jesus and Paul, and so it does to us also. Spend these next 60 minutes as we talk matters of Concord. Concord Matters, a program produced by the Christ-centered leader in confessional broadcasting. Worldwide KFUO, online at kfuo.org. And welcome to Concord Matters, the show where we seek to be of one mind, that is the mind of Christ. And to do that, we read through the Lutheran Confessions, the Book of Concord, uh, and we are still repenting on this show, well, at least still looking at the... Uh, um, article on repentance and the small called articles, which is part three, article three of repentance and the small called articles. And uh, to do that today, as we continue to take a look at this, uh, what we confess about repentance, uh, we have our cohort of Christ confessing Concordians, layman Peter Slayton, who is the social media manager for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. And we have a new guest on the show here today, Pastor Jaime Nava, who is the recently installed pastor of Concordia in Maplewood, Missouri. Uh, welcome to the show. Pastor Jaime, and of course, always Layman Slayton. Thank you. It's good Man. to be here. Yeah, great to have you guys. Likewise. So, so, so Jaime, <laughs> you're, you're you're jumping in here in the middle as uh, uh, as I set up. We're we're still repenting on this show. Uh, one day we'll figure it out. Uh, who who you're uh, kind of sitting in for today? Pastor Peter Hill often likes to talk about how his repenter is broken. You've got some um, makeup repentance to do since yeah. you haven't been here with us the whole time. Well, I know Pastor Ill, and I can probably agree that his repenter is broken. But so <laughs> it's just his. Oh, okay, all right, yeah. yeah, and and that's why we're still repenting. Actually, it's just because it's a really big issue, uh, not just at the time of the Reformation, but even still how we understand this. I mean, it connects, it, it's really kind of a hub, um, as all these things do. It, it's a body of doctrine. They're all interconnected. And so, I mean, it, it also relates to what we talked about in the very first article under sin, right? It relates to our justification. It relates to um, just what we confess as Christians on the basis of what Scripture teaches us, and uh, and especially at the time of the Reformation. But as we often talk about on this show as well, contemporary applications as well. Um, we see these sorts of things not well understood and not real well confessed, we might say, on a show that's all about con right confession with Scripture, um, what it is that we believe about repentance and, and how it is taught in Scripture. And so it, it is a longer article here, and so we've, we've spent some time on it, but uh, it's good that we delve into this. And today we'll be picking up with uh, paragraph 24. Uh, if you're What's that? It's my favorite paragraph. <laughs> it's your favorite paragraph? Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad that we got you on just in time I'm, for I'm it. I'm partial then. to paragraph 42 whenever that one comes up. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now now that we've got that all laid out there. Uh, but uh, we are picking up with paragraph 24. If you're interested in what we've said for the last several weeks uh, in, in terms of repentance, because, again, it, it is kind of a hub here where it brings a lot of things together, um, as all of these are a part of that body of doctrine that we confess, please check out the archives at kfuo.org. Uh, uh, where you can uh, catch the previous shows. Um, but uh, jumping in here, I'm just going to go ahead and uh, and read a couple paragraphs here, and then I think we'll have plenty to talk about for a whole hour, and then uh, maybe we'll never get to 
uh, paragraph 42. Sorry, Lamus Lane. <laughs> well, I'm jumping ahead now. I was like, what is paragraph 42? I don't know what yeah, that one's about. It, it helps to not just speak erroneously on the, on the air, but I just like right. the number 42. All right. Yes. Let's, let's, let's get into paragraph 24, part three, article three on repentance from the small called article is a reminder that this is written by Martin Luther himself. Then the Holy See at Rome, coming to the aid of the poor church, invented indulgences. With these, it forgave and remitted satisfaction. First, for a single sin, an indulgence could cancel seven years in purgatory, or an indulgence could cancel a hundred years. They distributed them among the cardinals and bishops so that one could grant indulgence for a hundred years and another for a hundred days. But the Pope severed... Well, helps if you actually read across the page right there. Sorry. <laughs> but the Pope reserved to himself alone the power to cancel the entire satisfaction. Since indulgences began to yield money, and as the traffic in bulls became profitable, the Pope devised the golden jubilee year compared to Leviticus 25. It doesn't compare, by the way, but that's me talking. Getting back here. A truly gold-bearing year and established it at Rome. He said this would give the cancellation of all punishment and guilt. The people came running because everyone would gladly be freed from this grievous, unbearable burden. This was meant to fund, find and raise the treasures of the earth. Immediately, the Pope pressed still further and multiplied the golden years one after another. The more he devoured money, the bigger his appetite grew. All right, we're going to pause there. And uh, as I said, we, we've got a lot to talk about here. And it, it doesn't take a truly discerning ear to, to catch mention of indulgences this is clearly the hub of what the reformation was all about i mean that was that was the 95 theses nailed to the church door at wittenberg uh over 500 years ago now um that this indulgence issue really got things for luther you know kind of set off on on the reformation so we're going to dig into that i i should have explained that when we talk about the holy see at rome it's kind of like you know the the uh the council of uh or or you might talk about you know like the president of the united states he has this cap Cabinet, and, and you can see the, the Holy See is is kind of the cabinet around uh, the Pope and so forth. So it includes the Pope, but then also um, kind of his his uh, advisors and officials there and so forth. So that's just a definition of terms. But but Jaime, I know that you you have some good history for us as to how this indulgent thing plays out here and what's going on here in these paragraphs. With yes, indulgence in a history oh, lesson. Oh, oh. I'm out of here. I'm, I'm just... <laughs> that's it. I've had enough. <laughs> Uh, so I love history, by the way. Um, there, there's a lot of, of layers to this, so I'm trying not to wax too long. But uh, you had Leo X is is Pope, and he he comes from the Medici family. If you know anything about Italian history, I mean, these people were all about power and, and money. So he knew how to spend money really, really well. When he became the Pope, there was a lot of money in Rome. And by the time he died, there wasn't a lot of money in Rome. <laughs> and so that kind of says something to how this guy operated. Now, um, he he was now in charge of building up St. Peter's Basilica, right? And you need a lot of money to do that. So in the process of doing that, that's where these, these indulgences, uh, which kind of existed already, uh, started to come into play. There was this guy, Albert of uh, Brandenburg who takes a loan from this bank, F-U-G-G-E-R, Fugers, or Fugers, uh, you can say it however you want. And 
the the bank's still around, I think. By the way, you can still take loans out from them. I don't recommend it, but you know, um, you might cause a controversy or reformation. I don't know. I'm not so, sure what I'm getting into by taking out a loan there. That's right. So Albert <laughs> takes out this loan. And in order to pay it off, well, let me back up. Why does he get a loan? Because he wants to be Archbishop of Mainz. Now, he was already Archbishop of another place. But to get a second one, he has to get a special dispensation from the Pope. And the Pope says, hey, I have an idea. I scratch your back. You scratch mine. He takes the money from Albert, who borrows from the bank. And the way he ends up paying it back was he calls this guy Tetzel, who's a really good salesman. Right? And Tetzel shows up with the indulgences where if you've ever watched any of these Luther movies or anything, you know, right? You see Tetzel doing a really good job, actually, of selling the indulgences. And so there's, there's a lot of layers going on here. But ultimately, it's bad theology blended with this desire to spend money, which means you need money, which means ultimately the people who end up paying for it in the long run are the people with terrified consciences. And that's why Luther has such a big problem is because people are no longer receiving the gospel through the church. Now it's just this big money-making scheme with lots of layers to it. Yeah, it really sounds like it becomes a slippery slope, right? You're just not getting enough money in. And so, you know, you kind of one-up the things. And, yeah, it just and it's always difficult because, you know, it, it does, I think, you know, you mentioned the, the building of St. Peter's Basilica, right, uh, is, is what this money's going for. And, you know, I, I know good Lutherans that like to go visit and, and take a look at that. And I say, isn't it kind of interesting? So it does speak to the fact that, that, you know, God can use even what is wicked for good. And it, it really is a beautiful place. I understand. I've not been there myself. But yet, you know, in, in the in the the drive to just kind of spend this money and and to to satiate our desires for these beautiful things rather than being faithful and and approaching it in a in a right sense you know and asking people to give towards these things they're burdening consciences with bad theology and it just becomes a slippery slope and then um you know you didn't get quite into the golden jubilee year there and and, and that's where I definitely come in in the slippery slope so we're up here you know in the indulgences uh, and they're making a lot of money off of that but then you know it's like oh well we can get more if we offer these this golden uh jubilee year which is like a plenary indulgence it'll wipe the slate clean and so it says compared to leviticus 25 oh, what's that layman slate and you want to jump in there well i okay i think leviticus 25 is where god first institutes this year of jubilee where he talks about this this is what it is and it is a year when well you it's actually it's part of a cycle so you you have your times when you're plowing your fields and then times when they're fallow when you're taking a break it it matches the cycle of the sabbath itself of the week so you have six days where you work and one week one day where you don't work in the same way you have six years where you work and one year where you don't work in certain ways it's not like a full thing but then every 50 years there's this year of jubilee where people who are in debt their debts are forgiven people who are um, indentured servants to others are are freed. People who have had to sell their land in order to pay their debts receive that land back as their own. There's, there's a whole bunch of things that happen. Sins are forgiven. I mean, it's all wrapped up. In, and this is every 50 years that this would happen because you have 
49 divided by 7 and 50 is the the next one it's all about sevens <laughs> um and that's this this year of jubilee in leviticus is hey every 50 years that's when this is supposed to happen where there's just this huge year of of forgiveness and rest is maybe one way of putting it where all sins are forgiven debts are forgiven and so the pope is saying hey we're going to do that too this is what we're going to do. I love how Martin Luther, he's, he starts this, the very first sentence, we, we talk about Melanchthon being snarky. Well, here's, here's Luther, and I, I'm just going to reread that first sentence, maybe put a little bit of interpretive tone. Then the Holy See at Rome, coming to, to the aid of the poor church, invented indulgences. <laughs> it's like, wow. Okay, so the poor church just needed help. So we're going to invent these indulgences, and then we're going to justify our indulgences by comparing it to Leviticus and the year of the Jubilee, which is like, okay, so you're going back to the Old Testament as if Christ never died. We're just going to jump right back and say, we're okay, we've already got weird issues going on here. <laughs> yeah. and it, and All sorts of weirdness going on. Even what you referenced back there in that first line, it, it takes us back even further to the previous paragraphs, which uh, Pastor Shear covered uh, last week for us and so forth. And it mentions purgatory, which is a rather invented idea itself mm-hmm. as well, right? And so it really is this slippery slope that just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And uh, one resource that I was reading um you know, actually, I'll just quote it here. It says, any error in doctrine is dangerous thing in more than one way. It's not only soul poisoning in itself, but it always leads on to further and more dangerous errors. And that's a, a studies in the small called articles book uh, that I uh, have here that, uh, yeah, it, it really does. Right. You know, so th- this is why we make such a big deal when we find an error in doctrine. And I know the human temptation <laughs> in all of us is like, well, it's not that big a deal. And it's like, but it becomes a really big deal really it fast. Might- not be today (laughs) but believe me tomorrow you're going to regret it (laughs) and and on some level any error really is a big deal because essentially what you say when you permit error is that god the author of truth doesn't matter that his truth doesn't matter and so i i would say any error is it is a issue and and certainly when there's error in our personal lives that leads us to confession when it's shown to us right and and we come in repentance right connecting in the article here see how i smoothly (laughs) did that guys Uh, but uh, yeah so i mean but seriously i mean that this is this is what what is at stake for luther here and he's setting up look this is how the slippery slope has gotten worse and worse and worse and it's really becoming a problem it's it's burdening consciousness it's leading people away from christ instead of putting their trust in christ and uh and it's all an error that just keeps compounding itself, and so it needs to be dealt with. One one practical thing to add to this, in uh, the constitutions that I've read for congregations, there is a section in there that says that things will not be taught or preached that are in conflict with the stuff that's in the Book of Concord as we're using it right now. And um, if nobody in the congregation knows what's in this book, then nobody is able to hold accountable any wrong teaching and so it's really important to listen to this radio show <laughs> i mean ultimately because that's what we're covering is I so like it. we can learn for ourselves we can uh discern what we're hearing too and put it to the test um and and ultimately i mean as you read it's such good stuff that it just gives comfort 
Well, thanks for the plug for the show. Uh, that, that's much appreciated. But also, I mean... <laughs> plug was a little to, too early to, for the commercial break, to, though. To, yeah. <laughs> they got extra... They get we double don't have for commercials here. We're, oh, I we're mean, a commercial-free yeah. show. We, oh, we do point. have uh, underwriters that uh, help make this work possible. I don't know my words. Sponsors. That's my fault. I don't know uh, my words. Yeah, but uh, we, don't, we don't run commercials here. But anyway, uh, back to... you know. But it also puts it on us as individual pastors. And I know I felt this tension myself, too, that, you know, especially... I'll just speak to the, the present context that I serve in the dual parish wonderful folks there they they love their lord because their lord loves them and has forgiven all their sins they they love to come to church and receive the gifts and the divine service and all those things right um but uh when I came there I recognized an ignorance in the true sense of the world not not that they're you know you know unintelligent people or you know how that word ignorance tends to get used today but they just had a lack of knowledge in that that true sense there of of the Book of Concord, or even the Constitution that pointed these things, and, and I remember uh, just going through with my elders and so forth. The Constitution—it's always something that's really helpful for me as a pastor coming in. And uh, you know, right there, I think it's in the second article for both congregations I serve. You know, says that we subscribe to these things, and of course, it was a part of my installation service. You know, just a few weeks prior and things, and uh, and I had them, you know, very just, you know, matter of factly say. Well, we've never really done this, you know, uh, going through these things. And, and so this kind of first time we're really seeing this and we're not really sure what those are. And so it told me, all right, pastor, you got work to do. Uh, and so what did I do? I started teaching a class and we went through the Augsburg Confession and I introduced the, the, uh, Book of Concord. I, I, I let them know when I'm on this show and, uh, you know, encourage them to listen as well. And, but, you know, you continuously teach that and I reference it in sermons from time to time and, and also in, in other Bible classes as well. But it is important. And as a matter of fact, even just now expanding upon that too, the official name of both of my congregations includes UAC in it. Now, these congregations go back to the 1800s, right? And so they were even kind of surprised by that when they see in the Constitution the official name. And, you know, uh, Jaime, what's UAC mean? Unaltered Augsburg Confession. Right. You know, and Don't so, mess with it, Melanchthon. Stop yeah. it. <laughs> well, he already did. But yeah, that's, why that's we, the problem. That's why yeah. we have to be specific that we use the <laughs> unaltered one, because the altered one that Melanchthon played with later and got a little crazy older in life. Uh, went out without Luther around. Oh, we talked about that as we covered <laughs> We've uh, discussed the, the Oxford Confession yeah. and so forth as well. Um, but, beat him uh, up pretty good, huh? Yeah, well, not beat him up. Um, as a matter of fact, we, we call him Papa Melanchthon on this show. So yeah, we, yeah. We have respect for him. You know, just when he went crazy, we kind of... But anyway, it is important Because we to, all kind of go crazy and need to... It, be it is a repentance. Yeah. yeah, and it is important to, to, to read these things, not just for the, the historical context of where we came from, but also that we might understand, you know, how how do we see this error playing out in our day? So so we don't have indulgences around today, or do we? Ooh. Ooh. Well, jump in. Well, the Roman Catholic Church does still. Yeah, they still. Yeah, I mean, right. technically, exactly. So Lutherans don't have talk them about as that, such, but uh, well, I mean, they still have. They they never denounce them. They don't really use them in the same way, and they they've kind of tweaked some of the. Um, the way that they explain them. So if you read, I think it's in the Catholic catechism, um, which is pretty darn big. Uh, it does explain indulgences, but it's nothing like the abuses that they saw in the medieval church. My my own personal experience was visiting a, a Roman Catholic church and there was a card that you could fill out for a funeral. I think there either had been a funeral or there was going to be one. And, there was an indulgence card where you could fill it out, prayer on behalf of the deceased, 
to help you know release them from purgatory or take time off and it was it, that was kind of the setting where you write this for your loved one there was the option for a monetary donation and you know things like that and so that's i've actually seen that personally as as one form that it takes right now yeah i've seen it at a convent i visited um you know just to kind of you know tour it and so forth and i saw that there was a place where you could you know uh have them uh uh you know you, you could essentially pay for some prayers uh to be said uh, which earned indulgence for you uh, a few years ago uh or maybe it's several years ago now maybe even a couple popes ago now uh if you followed the pope on twitter you could get some indulgences so i just solved your job problem for you layman yeah Slayton. well when i was you know, hired just, they actually told me i wasn't allowed to use that tactic oh, well, it was it was specifically part of our interview they're so really limiting your social media we don't do this here. Oh, i'm unfollowing now so so much for the easy <laughs> follower numbers yeah. uh, okay. I gotta work so, for it so so it is still a part of the official Roman Catholic doctrine uh, you can check it out in their catechism obviously right I might have been wrong about the catechism I've been doing a lot of reading so sometimes I kind of cross it, over it is in the catechism <laughs> okay. Okay. and their catechism is quite thick um, I, I was actually even just speaking about this with uh, my father recently because he he was uh, part of a, a study that goes to the book of Concord with some other men and they were talking about the catechisms and so forth and um, he wasn't quite sure if that was a purely Lutheran thing and I said, no, no, the Catholics, you know, they definitely still, and it's a lot thicker, you know, so uh, all you Lutheran uh, catechism students out there and fathers, <laughs> be very thankful for Luther's small catechism. Uh, but there's the Heidelberg Catechism of Westminster the, uh, Catechism. Uh, yeah, and, you know, other church bodies as well. Um, but uh, so there is that, and it is mentioned in there. Uh, you're right. It is a little bit different than it was at the time of the Reformation. They've learned some of those things. I, I would also point out that American Catholics are so hugely influenced by evangelicals we'll just use that broad term that uh as uh, a roman catholic priest a friend of mine uh once said he said american catholics don't realize how uncatholic they are you know but that that was him saying about his own his own people there so <laughs> i'm just relating what was said to me um you can take issue of that uh if you like if you are a, a catholic listening to this show it might be a little awkward for you anyway so anyway <laughs> but back to the point then so where would we see this indulgence issues because we have the context at the time when we talked about you know this is what's coming up right you know that had the golden year but but that was back then and those were issues back then you know why is this important why is this applicable for us in subscribing to it in the church today how does this play into our life as christians today layman slayton well i think one of the ways we don't necessarily tie it to money and we don't tie it to purgatory but we do tie it to um, discipline for our sin and punishment for our sin. We do have this idea that if I can do the right things to please God, he won't be as mad at me. And he, he maybe he won't punish me as severely as he would have if I just didn't care and was going to continue on sinning. And so this kind of mindset does infiltrate our, our daily lives, because this is what our, our sinful nature does. I mean, the, we talked a bit at the beginning of this episode how we, repentance, it's, there's a lot of talk, there's a lot of writing on it. Well, part of the reason for that is because our sinful nature rebels against this very idea that I need to agree with God that I have sinned and that I'm actually deserving of any sort of a punishment for that sin. And so part of that rebellion is taking, okay, fine, God. I agree that I sinned. That was bad. Just let me work it off. I'll fix this. I'll take care of it. You don't have to worry about it. You know, what Jesus did, that was that was great. It got me started. 
But really, okay, I'm just going to be really good this week. I'll make sure I go to church for the next month straight. You know, whatever deal it is that we make with God. Maybe serve on the parking lot, you know, ministry. Yeah, I'm going to or... be a trustee. I'm going to help with the with trim the shrubbery at church today and help spread the mulch. Um, whether it's something silly like that or if it's like a really big deal like, okay, that was really bad. I think I should probably go to seminary and be a pastor. That's the only way to atone for this. Yeah. Right, right. Well, that's what I, I mean. I mean not, uh, well, I like contextually, they would have went into the monastery. Exactly. And that's why, that's about yeah. that and that's why I use that example because yeah. we, we still do this. So we might not tie it to purgatory, but we definitely tie it to punishment and discipline for our sin and trying to work it off ourselves in some way so that you know God's happy with us. Well, this is all a result of what the law does. The law creates an issue for us. And I, I, I said there's two Ds that are the result of the law, depression or delusion. So either you Ooh, get so good. depressed that you think, I cannot be good enough for God, or you're deluded into thinking, I can be good enough I for God. I did it! Woo! Yeah, and so you have these uh, indulgences where these, you know, in a non-Roman Catholic context, like you're saying, I can do it. If I just do this thing, boom, I'll make God happy. Or an indulgence might be something someone looks to to say, well, there is this thing. So I know I'm not that great, but because of X, Y, Z that is apart from Jesus, um, it's a bad thing. Whatever it is, I guess it's breaking the first commandment, too. So. Mm-hmm. Well, I like that. You know, it, it leads to depression or delusion. That, oh, there's a whole lot we can just say there. Uh, I like but despair it, it, is the a good necessary. Word too. You can still get oh, the D in there. Okay, yeah. yeah. Keep the Ds. Don't yeah. We're, we're yeah. a show about the Cs. Cohort of <laughs> I know. We're, we, we can't move too far forward in the alphabet. But, but, but ultimately, to your point, what you need then is the gospel. And to do that, we're going to have to take that up on the other side of the break. So don't be depressed or deluded. Come right on back for the gospel. Each weekday on the Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah, we share and discuss stories of living boldly Lutheran. Including missionary updates, mercy work, events and topics applicable to your daily vocations, and maybe some fresh dark roast. The Coffee Hour weekdays at 9 a.m. on KFUO, underwritten by Concordia University, Wisconsin. This is the day which the Lord has made. For the lonely and homebound, for the grieving and dying, and for all those who are afflicted in body, mind, and spirit, especially for Join us for a live broadcast of Chapel at the LCMS International Center weekdays at 10 a.m. on KFUO. You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living, breathing, one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. 
Listening to KFUO on your smartphone is so easy to do. Smartphone assistant, play KFUO. Playing KFUO radio. You can also visit the place where you get your apps and download the KFUO app. You can also go to the KFUO homepage. Wow, the KFUO homepage is customized to fit your phone with an easy-to-find listening button. When you're on the webpage, you can browse for more information. You can listen to KFUO 24 hours a day at KFUO.org. Don't forget about Facebook, Facebook.com slash KFUO radio. Now you're just acting like a know-it-all. For more than two and a half centuries, the Samaritans have venerated only the Torah as scripture and continue to use only their version. One major difference between the Samaritan Torah and the Jewish Torah is that the Samaritan version champions Mount Gerizim, not Jerusalem, as God's chosen place. At Museum of the Bible, several Samaritan Torah scrolls provide opportunities for reflection. One of the oldest surviving scrolls from the Samaritan tradition is attributed to the scribe Shalma ben Abraham, likely written in Nablus around 1166. It contains Genesis 1-1 through Exodus 9-35. Just a century ago, a modern Samaritan Torah scroll was written by Jacob Cullen. It is paired with small separate pages so scholars and students can compare the Hebrew alphabet with a traditional Samaritan alphabet. Engage with the Bible. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. And welcome back to Concord Matters, where we are still repenting, or at least still talking about the article on repentance from the small called Articles. Uh, part three, article three of repentance. And again, this is written by Martin Luther himself. And to do that, we have our cohort of Christ confessing Concordians, layman Peter Slayton, uh, pastor Jaime Nava and myself. I think I forgot to say my, I always forget to say my name. You know me. I'm Sean Smith, pastor Sean Smith, uh, pastor of a dual parish in Southern Illinois. But, uh, uh, thanks for coming back after that break. And we, we kind of left you, hi, pastor. Uh, Nava here uh, um, shared this uh, this this great thought. How did how did you set up the the law? The law it it ends in two different ways. Either after hearing the law, our reaction is either to end up in delusion or despair. Are we switching was to yours. my word well, now? We go with despair. Yeah, okay. Sure, well, our two D's. Way. We can go. We either end up with delusion or despair. This is this is where we end up because either you look at the law and you say, I will never measure up. I will never measure up. I will never be good enough for God. Or you end up in delusion thinking, I, I'm great. I I'm, did it. I'm really good at this. And so this is the response to the law. And so anytime you have anything beyond the gospel, you have Jesus plus something, it's always going to be Jesus plus the law in some way. And then people are going to be left with delusion or despair. And so this is why... You hear about Roman Catholic guilt, right? People say, ah, you know, that Roman Catholic guilt really gets you. But I don't think it's stuck with Roman Catholics alone. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people in the Christian church out there that feel that guilt because they're always wondering, am I good enough? Am I good enough? Am I good enough? And that's the result of the law. And that's what drove people to rush out and spend money they didn't have on indulgences. (laughs) 
Lehman Slayton, I know you and I have talked about this on the show before as well because of your missionary background and mm-hmm. work with uh, agencies there as well. And then uh, also just kind of my exposure you know, to it as well um, that we've both seen um, where a lot of folks that get into missionary work are, are kind of under this despair <laughs> or, or depression, which sounds weird to say, right? Uh, except for... it. It, it is. The law comes and it crushes, or as we say, according to our confessions in the Latin Lex Semper Accusat, right? The law always accuses. And so, you know, it, it, it can lead to this delusion, despair uh, thing here. And so that can lead me into, you know, how I'm crushed by this law. And so I want to know that I'm okay with God. I, I want to know that I'm on good terms with him because I do believe in him and I, and I desire to, to live in such a a life of faith, right? Yeah, I, I am Except, a Christian who actually right. wants to do what God wants me to do, right? But, but without proper teaching, right, it, it will lead to these these two avenues. And so, either I think, oh, I'm I'm on good terms with God because look at all this missionary trips that I've done. I've been on this many short term teams. I've dedicated I went, my life to. Yeah, him. How could I? I not went and be? spent mm-hmm. 17 years living in you know the the savanna of Africa or whatever have you, you know. And 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 we see that kind of thing play out where they point to their good work works essentially right i mean it's like we're back in the reformation again well, our lutherans do that too i mean we exactly. point at how often we go to church we point at the committees we serve on yeah i mean yeah we, absolutely this is that's why i brought up it's our original sin we yeah. do this yeah. <laughs> all of us <laughs> or or it leads to despair and i've actually known someone who has committed suicide literally because they wanted to know that they were right with god and they they just kept running up against the law and they never felt mm. that comfort and 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 it was really just kind of a sad sad thing that they committed suicide just simply because they they just couldn't be on good terms and the it led despair, to that despair. The despair was overwhelming right and and even if they try at times you know and i think it can manifest itself in the same ways right they they work extra hard they get super involved in the church or maybe sometimes even to the you know to the lack of uh, serving their own family and leading their own family or things like that uh caring for their own family um you know just because they're trying to get on good terms and they think that these are the things that'll make god happy with them but they keep running up against the law and they're just filled with despair and so it's really quite dangerous it is a most grievous error when anything in the church points us to these sorts of understandings and that's exactly what the roman catholic church did at the time of the reformation we we've talked some about how it still comes out i have a line i want to read but did you want to jump in there well, yeah, I mean, before once you... again it's helpful to remember the context in which luther is writing we've covered that a little bit today but th- this was a time where because of what the church was teaching about assurance and where your certainty is and the fact that you really can't have any at all, the entire population of Europe basically believed that God hated them and was angry at them. So it makes total sense that in that context where what you are hearing from the spiritual authorities in your life is, look, you stink. Everything you're doing is wrong. God is mad at you. You are a horrible person. Hey, if you buy this indulgence over here, just spend a few bucks we can take care of some and of that it's for not you. even that God is that Jesus is mad at you. Everybody. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, Mary actually yeah. got elevated at this point because she was the one person who wasn't. And that's where you start getting some of the Mariology coming in and the worship of Mary because, well, Jesus is mad at you. God is mad at you. Well, what about the mother of God? Maybe she's okay with me because that she seems nicer. And so you get the idolatry going in that direction because, well, the rest of the Trinity seems to be upset at me. So let's add this extra person in here. It's like, 
wow, look at how far we'll run just to find comfort when you're not being given Jesus. Absolutely. Not being given the pure gospel of Jesus for you. And as we've talked about on the show before, uh, inherent in the Roman Catholic doctrine, even still to this day, you take a look at their catechism. It's Jesus makes it possible for you to be forgiven. But then you have to add to it your own works. You yeah. can check that out right in their own writings. Uh, so I, I, I don't care if you know a Roman Catholic that doesn't believe that. Well, then they're not being a good Roman Catholic according to what their own theology says, right? So show them to a Lutheran church and get them on over here, right? <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, but this does lead to this. And, and so it'll lead to this delusion, despair. You're trying to find peace, right? And so it's a most grievous error. And, and uh, I, I read from in the first half of the show this, uh, this uh, book that I have that is really helpful for me. It's called Studies in the Small Called Articles. And it has this line in here uh, explaining this going on here. It says, but it is Roman Catholic doctrine that a sinner can never, I'm sorry, that a sinner never can and never dare be sure of his salvation. Wow, that, that that's a, I mean, it, that is a part of their doctrine. And, and I wholeheartedly agree. Again, if you just take a look at their writings, what their theology actually confesses, which I'll bring Pastor Nava in here to, to reference here in a second, but uh, it is the Roman Catholic doctrine that a sinner never can and never dare be sure of his salvation. First of all, I would say just my own uh, you know, undergrad degrees in uh, communications, marketing kind of classes and things like that, You know, just in terms of a, a money-making scheme, this is really good. I mean, if you've, if you've got a product, right, <laughs> that you want to sell, you you, you you need them reliant on getting it all the time, right? And so that's how you keep getting money from them, right? And so that's essentially what they've done. They've taken this and turned it into a product to be sold, uh, all because of their teaching that they can never uh, be sure of their salvation. And so, and, and then this quote goes on, unless like the mal- malefactor on the cross, he has a special assurance from God, that would be Christ who says, today you'll be with me in paradise. That's the free forgiveness that Christ offers there on the cross, not just for uh, the, the thief hanging next to him, but for all of us. And, and we come and receive that. And that's why the, the pureness of the gospel, what we Lutherans confess is so right, because when, when you are crushed by the law, dear Christian, come in repentance and receive the free gift of the gospel. Don't, don't fall off into delusion or despair. Don't try to trump up your own good works and, you know, oh, surely God will be happy with me. And we do this. I hear it at funerals all the time. You know, oh, he just, you know, he did. It's okay to talk about, you know, how much he loved and cared about his kids. It's, it's okay to talk about, you know, good things that he did, maybe serve his country. It's okay and, yeah. to talk about that, but, but any good Lutheran sermon is never going to include those in a sermon because what's the Lutheran sermon about a Christian sermon, truly Christian sermon. It's all about Christ for this one because none of our good works are enough. And so we don't have this delusion. It is purely Christ for you. That is your salvation. And so you don't need to fall into despair either. We come in repentance and receive it freely. So again, if you have your Christians in whatever denomination it is, or, or even a deluded, <laughs> oh, see, now I'm spinning off in another direction, <laughs> a deluded Lutheran, point them to the sureness of the gospel, uh, and, and, and surely does deliver you. And so as, you know, it's a long kind of return from break here, but I was setting that up. We did want to get to the gospel and how it delivers us. Pastor Nava, jump in there. I know you got a reference, uh, what we were talking so about. There. I I did some homework on the Catholic Catechism that they currently teach um, under the section under Merit, point 2010, says, I don't want to read the whole thing, um, but jumping into the middle of it, so you can read it for yourself, but moved by the Holy Spirit and by charity, 
we can then merit for ourselves and for others the graces needed for our sanctification, for the increase of grace and charity, and for the attainment of eternal life. Oof. I mean, it, it's basically saying, yes, you're moved by the Holy Spirit and by charity, but you can merit for yourself and for others graces needed. It's like, okay, um, yeah, that's just pointing me right back to myself again. And, you know, if my repenter is broken, which I'm pretty sure it is for everybody, <laughs> um, that's going to be an issue because we're not looking at the cross. I'm looking at my belly button and uh, not a whole lot of good stuff I'm going to find in there. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I in my sinful heart of hearts, right, uh, I like to think that I am a pretty good person, right? Um, but, you know... It, it, this is a, a weak, cheesy confession here on live radio. But, uh, you know, honestly, if you take a look at my life or even if you just talk to my wife who could point them all out for you. Right. You know, I still I just don't do enough good. Right. And and I mean, you're still a cards fan. Oh, let's not get off on that citation again. Let's just let's, let's keep it biblical here. All right. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, and, and so if I if I'm if if. If the teaching of the church is is Jesus plus me and my good works, you know, if I truly evaluate and take a look at my my life, right, I just don't do enough. And, and there's so many times I fail. And so it's going to lead me into delusion or despair, right? I'm going to start, you know, thinking, you know, that I have done enough or trying to weight the scales, uh, you know, and, and so forth, probably to the sacrifice of other things like, you know, spending time with my family and things like that. Um, and, and so then I failed there. Right. And so and that's why our repenters broken is because we we even do this imperfectly. Right. Uh, and that yeah, it just it just. Again, it, it becomes a slippery slope and, and not just for the church teaching the doctrine, uh, you know, with these errors in it, that becomes a slippery slope that becomes ever compounded and so forth. But when, when I'm looking inside of myself, it just becomes such a compounded, complex issue. I'm actually evaluating it. And so, uh, w what we need is that free gift of the gospel. And that's why this is really quite so important. Well, we're always going to judge other people way more harshly than ourselves. I mean, you know. Uh, I mean, usually, I guess some of us are <laughs> our own worst critics, too. But when you look at other people, they do the same thing that you did. You you have more leniency on yourself a lot of times than than what they did. So that's a good point. I mean, yeah, we, we you see a lot of this, especially in, in political and societal discourse as well. Right. That, uh, you know, we, we look at, you know, how could they do that? You know, and it's like, well, how could you do what you do? You know, <laughs> evaluate your own sinful nature. Yeah. But but I know I struggle with that, too. Right. Um, and, and, and that's not just a weak confession. It's just honest for all of us. Right. And so we really do need to evaluate our own lives. But but come in repentance, finding the truth of the gospel that, that forgives your sins, right? That, that says you're right with God because of Christ Jesus. You're, you're God's own dear child. It's just so freeing. Um, it keeps us from delusion or despair. That's good. I, I like it. All right. I'm sure that was taught to us in seminary, but you actually paid attention. To I class. came up with that. I, that was mine. Okay, great. But, I mean, you should teach at the seminary then. No. <laughs> <laughs> Pastor Nava and I were classmates along with uh, Pastor Ill as well. So maybe I just only bring my classmates on to the show or something. Yes, I don't know how you got Somehow I here, snuck but, in here. Yeah, yeah. Slate and you just, you know, get in here. I don't know. All right. But we do need to make some headway because we've only got two paragraphs covered. Uh, we need to make some headway here. 
here. So uh, picking up paragraph 26, once again, we're in part three of the small called articles, article three on repentance and uh, picking up paragraph 26 later by his representatives to the countries, the Pope issued his golden years everywhere. This is referencing that golden jubilee years uh, back there that uh, we heard in paragraph 25 until all churches and houses were full of the golden year. Ultimately, he made an inroad into purgatory among the dead. First, he found founded masses and vigils and afterward indulgences in the golden year. Finally, souls became so cheap that he released one for a penny. This is this is the snowball. This is what he's talking about, right? So he had first there were masses. Slippery slope is it's, what it's, I use. It's inflation. Okay. Snowball, same, same Well, I thing. come from Southern California, so we're afraid of snow. I okay, mean, that works. <laughs> All right. So, but the masses, and when we say masses, in the context, what, what he's talking about is that... Um, you would have these priests who didn't speak any Latin, saying these words, not knowing what's going on, in a private room all by themselves, paid money to do this mass so that someone would be forgiven. To or, just perform know, the ceremony. Yeah, perform yeah. the ceremony so that, that they would get some extra grace from God. So this is the beginning of that slippery slope where you have these masses, these vigils, and then afterwards, indulgences. And now, finally, we've come to this golden year. Ha ha. Where does it end up? Well, pretty much just souls, souls become so cheap. You're released for a penny. You know, I'm actually going to talk about this. So I, I used to work as a hospital chaplain fresh out of seminary, and it was a Catholic hospital chain, and uh, um, there there were chaplains of all sorts of denominations in there. Um, but, uh, you know, we would have to attend uh, deaths of patients and, you know, just check in with the family, see if they needed, um, you know, either their pastor to come care for them or if we could provide care for them in the moment and things like that. Right. And I remember, um, there, there were several, and this was in Texas, Austin, Texas. And so, uh, you know, large, uh, Hispanic population there, uh, very Roman Catholic in background, you know, and culture there. And, uh, I remember the first few, um, Roman Catholic patient deaths and families that were gathered around there. I, I would have money handed to me, you know, and of course, as a Lutheran, I wear my collar, Right. And so I kind of look like a Catholic person. I've read hair. So, you know, it, it, I get confused for a Catholic priest, priest all the yeah. time. Now that I'm married for a couple of years, you know, it just dissuades <laughs> that a little bit. You know, the, then they get confused and ask or about the, the wedding ring. you ring. get a side But, eye, but like, back oh, then well, I was single. Catholic. Right. Right, small so we'll C, part of the Universal yeah. Church. I'm not Ooh, not part of the papacy. <laughs> right. But uh, so anyway, yeah. So they would hand me this money. And I was so confused by this. And I was like, no, no, your your hospital bill comes separately. I, I I really had no idea what this was was doing, and uh, and and so I went and talked to one of my uh, Roman Catholic priest friends um, that was a part of the the chaplaincy there at the hospital, and uh, and I said, what's going on here? And he said, oh, that, that's old Catholic teaching, you know, that's it's related with our practice of indulgences, and he could just see my eyes get so big because he knew I was a Lutheran. We had lots of conversations. <laughs> they were very good, huh, fruitful. Don't go all Marty Hammer yeah. nail right. on me. But no, he, he, he was just like, settle down, settle down, you know. And I was like, no, I can't settle down. I was like, this is dirty. And he said, just take the money and put it in the offering in the chapel. And I was like, I cannot do that. I cannot take that money. I said, you know, and I would always point to the gospel anyway before I knew that. But definitely once I knew it after it happened a couple of times, the first time I thought it was just weird, you know, this one kind of thing. <laughs> but then it starts happening a couple of times. And so I was like, I want to figure this out. And uh, and so when I found out, I, you know, I just I would refuse to take the money, which would make this situation really difficult for them because they had lived under this teaching. But I would deliver them the gospel and, and I'd say, you know what? 
by faith, this one dies and is at rest in Christ, right? And, and you could see, you know, this tension within them because they're hearing the, the pure gospel, but they've grown up under this teaching, right? That, that says otherwise, and that you got to offer money so that it, it offers an indulgence for this person that's just died that they dearly love. It's their father, their grandfather. Maybe it was a tragedy. It's their brother, or, you know, whatever have you. And, and they want some comfort in that moment. And so this is why it's so dangerous. And, and I mean, so this isn't just an issue back then, right? It, it is mm-hmm. still something that's going on today. And it seems so innocent, right? You know, I'll just take the money and put it in the office. No, no, no. <laughs> We, we need the gospel here. We, we need the gospel to come and bear uh, on this situation. And so, yeah, it, it's, it's just a dangerous, dangerous teaching, a snowball effect, a slippery slope, whatever, whatever we're using here now for uh, all that. the metaphors apply for yeah. this one. It's just oh, bad. It's, it's bad. very, very <laughs> bad. All right. Pushing forward on paragraph 27. Uh, by the way, good job. You can just interrupt any time uh, if you got something to say on a paragraph. Okay. I was going to keep going. All right. Uh, yeah. Thank you. First time on the show and he's doing a great job. Two, here, clap for uh, right. Pastor Noah. All right. Back back to the show but all this too did nothing even though the pope taught people to depend on and trust these indulgences for salvation that was i was going to make that point about the 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 hospital experience but you, you brought it up beforehand no, I, dude, that's, an, see, that's an amazing story he, he is literally way. teaching them right and still around today teaching them to depend on the indulgences what was it that i said the doctrine that a sinner can never and never dare be sure of his salvation they are literally teaching them this making them dependent on their product this is gross all right all right uh, I'm, I'm just so worked up now we're getting a little worked up in the studio glowing yeah. yeah someone poked me in the eye all right <laughs> he made the matter uncertain again in his bulls, he declares that whoever wants to share in the indulgences or golden year has to be contrite and have confessed and pay money. Okay, so so now, all right, I'm, I'm pausing here in the middle of a paragraph, but I am so worked up. So now, here, here's the snowball gaining more ground, right? So now it's not even enough that you're teaching them that they can't depend on Christ's sacrifice on the cross for their salvation, right? That they are at peace with God through, through that satisfactory work of Christ. You, you got to add to it your good works, paying for the indulgences, that kind of thing. But now it's not even, you know, I have no certainty if I pay for this, this indulgence, right? This piece of paper, I don't have any certainty there. Now I also have to be really contrite, I ha- I have to I have to be really really sorry. You got to really feel about it. it. You got to really feel it. I mean, okay, so we definitely see that still going on in the church today, right? You know, what I mean, it's not really worship unless you really felt it. And that there day, there right? was in the but, context here in in the small call articles, you had this problem with contrition where people didn't really understood what it meant, and so they'd be like, "Well, I'm not really contrite, but is it contrite or contrite?" Whatever contrite. you want. Contrite. I don't know. Okay. Yes. You, you nailed That's it. how the psalmist David says it. He I'm says sorry. contrite I didn't heart. mean to throw off yeah. the whole uh, yeah. flow Get there. back to your point. But so so we're, we're, we're looking at the false repentance, right, starting in paragraph 10, and he's painting the picture that, yeah, some people think that, that they are because they're going to confession. So it's because of something that they're doing that makes them think that they're actually being repentant when that's not actually the case. So you have all of these layers of bad teaching going on and then you couple that now with these indulgences and it's just layer upon layer but a lot of this is trying to these are people trying to wiggle their way out from under the law 
and and they're trying to do it without Jesus, and it, the system just gets more and more complex or com- complex. Well, and and they're they're trying to wiggle out because they're being taught wrong, right? I mean, they're being led into this, and and, and they are. I, I I believe you know, and, and I see this again in in any kind of these errors that we fall off on this, whether whether we do it, um, you know. Uh, in the Roman Catholic church or, or whatever denomination, even if you're Lutheran and you're falling off into this air and, and understanding and so forth, I believe that it is with a sense of devout, you know, wanting a, a desire to be devout, I should say. Um, and, and so that is why it's so dangerous that when you're being taught and directed in this, this unfaithful direction, it is so, so bad, so gross that, that a pastor priest would be doing this and leading people that the Pope, the leader of the church would be leading them this in this understanding. And that's why we got to be able to deal with false teachers in the church, uh, rightly, because, because you're just leading people astray when you're directing them to a false hope. Christ is enough. Give them the gospel. That's our job, right? Scripture is very clear on it. So the Pope has uh, a bunch of cows. Is that right? What? Papal bulls? Oh, okay. Well, yeah, we talked about it on the show, but go ahead and explain. And they've it. been burned before too. No, he I, burns his cows. He burns. <laughs> yeah, or wait, no, Luther, Luther burned his cows. Luther yeah. burned it. Yeah, yeah. no, they, these are uh, th- these were declarations from the Pope um, that have kind of a long history. But I guess really in the medieval era, they started to come around and be this official thing. Like when the Pope makes a bull. Uh, then you listen, and and you know, funny enough, when when Luther was given kicked out of the church by a papal bull, um, that was kind of this wink nod to say, you know, if something happened to Luther, boy, that sure would be a shame, right? But uh, that's a different, that's a different story. <laughs> yeah. All right, we need to push forward all here. Right, right. Uh, we only have a few minutes left. Finish in the, show. the paragraph, right. uh, Peter. Uh, picking Excellent. up in the middle of paragraph twenty-seven. Part 3, Article 3 of the Small Called Articles of Repentance. We have already seen how, with the papacy, contrition and confession are uncertain and, uncertain and hypocritical. Besides, no one knew what soul was in purgatory. There's some snark for you. If some souls were in purgatory, no one knew who had properly repented and confessed. I mean, so you just have no assurance here is basically <laughs> what he's saying, right? So the Pope took the precious money, comforting people with his power and indulgence. But then he directed them again to their uncertain works. Ah. <laughs> and we're back at square yeah. one. Can you see why Luther is so frustrated at the time? Do you see yeah. why we still get frustrated today when 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 you come to us, you know, with your uncertain works of any kind of assurance? And I, I again, well, I just this... I tend to see this around funerals. I've talked about this before. You know that you know, just trust in the free forgiveness of Christ. It's really so much more beautiful, <laughs> right? Well, this is why we see in the ninety five theses. Uh, starting off on indulgences, so you know the the indulgences might have kickstarted the Reformation. They were they were kind of like the little the match that lit the fire. But Luther even says, "Look, my my biggest problem with these indulgences at the time wasn't that they existed. It's that if the Pope really has this power, just give it freely to everybody." And here we see that again. He's continuing decades later to say, "Why doesn't he just give it out?" Like, at least be consistent with your own theology. If you've got that power and it's all about the gospel and this is what the church is, then give it away for free. And here he's saying, and nope, he's still putting it back to his own work. So now he's taken all the money. He's made himself wealthy. He's milked them for all they're worth. And they're still in the exact same position, having to trust in themselves. Which leads to 
depression and delusion. (laughs) And and we see this play out in the Middle Ages. Again, we've talked about it. We still see it play out today. It it just, you know, when you have no certainty, where where else are you going to go, right? And, 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 And you're desiring to be devout. You want to... To, to receive the gift of heaven, right? Uh, and this is why just that we can't say it enough, that the proper teaching is so true. With about a few seconds left here, any parting thoughts uh, as we've brought you on to the show here, Pastor Nava? Um, Jesus is, is good. Jesus is good. That's a great parting thought. Give us Jesus at the end, please. That that is certainly a great thought indeed. Well, thanks for uh, joining our cohort of Christ Confessing Concordians. I am glad that you stopped by today. Uh, As we wrap up the show, uh, we're doing something a little new. If if you want to leave us uh, some comments, some questions uh, that we can have time to respond to in our next shows, you're free to do so. You can call uh, 314, if you're out of that area code, put a 1 before it, so 1 314-996-1542 you can leave us a message there we'll listen to it you can also email us at something kfuo at kfuo.org i believe it is i'm looking for my piece of paper it's here so yes kfuo at kfuo.org or you can also find us on social media at kfuo radio and it has been great uh continuing to confess this article on repentance thanks for stopping by today and until next time keep confessing church